Good morning. I have said many times to many of our brothers and sisters in our family of churches that I am the most grateful man in Sovereign Grace. I spent over 25 years in pastoral ministry of a church that by value and practice uh, did ministry alone. We were uh, an independent church that valued independence, and that was not wise, and it didn't serve us. But in our ignorance, we thought we were okay. Uh, This partnership that we've been celebrating the last few days is a precious one. I hope your hearts have been encouraged anew in the value this is for each of us as members of our churches. Not only is it God honoring, it it provides this abundance of opportunity for the Spirit of God to be working through us, not just throughout our own church, but then into all of these churches and then the ministry of all of our churches. And and each one of you have a part in that. And so we praise God for his goodness that he would allow this, that his, his heart rejoices in this. We are examining Christ-shaped qualities that we want to shape our churches. And we finish our time together looking at servanthood. Before Jesus left this world, he wanted to leave an indelible impression upon his disciples concerning this value of servanthood. And so we're going to read to, in John chapter 13. Uh, the context here is what we know as the, the Last Supper. Jesus, evening before his arrest and his crucifixion, when he gathers his, his innermost circle of followers. This is when the Lord's Supper is... Instituted. This is when the, the upper room discourse is given. And in the midst of these things, we see this action that Jesus takes before those he loves. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet 
and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you you have no share with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Our Heavenly Father... We, we are here, our forever family, celebrating this reality. And each one has come, your beloved saints, wanting to know you more dearly, wanting to understand what does it look like to honor you fully. So we ask that in your great love and faithfulness, you would answer the desires of your people. That even as you are refreshing them, you would be directing and enlightening them, empowering them, that we would be the fullest measure of what it means to follow you, to love you, to serve you. We ask for your grace in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Servanthood is more than just helping out at at different times and places when appropriate. It is a lifestyle, the language we've been using in this conference is, it is a culture. It is a way to approach life. It's part of the way we're thinking about, why am I here? What is my role? What does it mean to follow the Lord? Servanthood is part of all of this. As Jesus says in verse 14, if I, then you. If he is one who came to serve, then you also ought to. In this passage, what I want us to see are three essential ways. Now, because Joel and Jared had both had three points, I cut out 13 points of my message. And so we're only going to have 
three this morning. Just wanting to fit in. Three essential ways that embracing servanthood actually helps shape our lives to be more like Jesus Christ. The first of these. Servanthood helps us inwardly. It helps us to grow in the essential quality of humility. Servanthood helps us inwardly to grow in the quality of humility. Think again uh, of the scene before us. The disciples were shocked and they were embarrassed that Jesus would wash their feet. Uh, Look again, verses 6 and 8. Lord, Lord, do you wash my feet? And and here's, we'll use the word boldness. There are other words we could use. Lord, he's speaking to Jesus, who he has already said is the son of God. You shall never, you shall never wash my feet. It's showing how awkward this moment was, how unfitting in their minds. Why? Why such a reaction? Because Jesus was taking on the role of the servant. And in their minds, this was demeaning. A a leader, a, a person to be honored, doesn't serve in a way like that. It didn't seem right to them. Our culture tells us it's better to be served. And our pride tells us we deserve to be served. Christ introduces us to a culture, a value system that is foreign to our world that is foreign to our sinful nature. The entirety of Jesus' earthly ministry was immersed in humility and in servanthood. The Father could have chosen all sorts of means by which Jesus could have been born into this world. He purposefully had the Christ born in the most demeaning and humble means possible. God, by the entrance of Jesus into the world, was creating a picture of humility to us. The way Jesus conducted his whole ministry was in humility. Could not Jesus have conducted his ministry from any capital city he wanted? Jesus, by the sheer force of his miracles, could have driven his disciples into the capital. The sheer weight of miracles he could have performed could have opened any door to any place that he had desired. Instead, he walked dusty roads with men who would drive us crazy. (laughs) 
Kind of like the people you come to church with. <laughs> and the way he received his death. Humility was in all that Jesus did. Humility to serve those who needed him. There is no gospel without humility. There is no gospel without servanthood. And so there is no Christianity. There is no Christ-likeness without humility, without servanthood. Because serving is not a demeaning role. It is the path blazed by Jesus himself, the most worthy of all persons, was the humblest of all and the greatest servant of all. And as he tells us in the text, we are not greater than our master. If I then... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done. Now, I don't think anyone here rejects any of these truths. There is no one here secretly saying, what a bunch of nonsense. Where did he get that? It's not that we disagree with any of those truths when we hear them. But we do struggle so often and so deeply to embrace fully these truths. Pride so incessantly nudges us to always start our thinking with ourselves. It's driving us to be impressive to others. Numbers of times I've had to push off the thought that as I'm preaching, there are numbers of pastors I love and respect who will be hearing me. And and I want them to go home thinking, wow. I, I thought maybe he could carry it, but wow. Can I attend his church? If you start these trails, your mind can start going of what you want to see happen. We want to impress. We want to be thought well of. We want to be honored. Pride does this claiming to be looking out for us. I'm your friend. But pride... It destroys relationships. It destroys ministries. It shreds churches. We know we're supposed to be humble. But looking at what humility is asking for, it it seems like it's going to put us at a disadvantage. To really get into it, you know, we can do a little, you know, a touch of humility here and there. 
Never hurt anybody. But to embrace a culture, lifestyle of humility is to, uh, that's to be at a disadvantage and miss out. So how important is it that we get these values, pride, humility? How important is it really to, to get this right? One short verse. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That is a staggering difference. There are people whom the almighty God opposes. And there are people whom the God of the universe is giving grace. Which side of God do you need to be on? Is there anything in our lives at all? Is there anything in our churches that we need more than the grace of God? So we need to prioritize humility. But as vital as it is, it just doesn't overtake us when we become a believer. It's not as though we entrust ourselves in Christ. And then by a few months later, you know, humility just runs and catches up and holds our hand and we just go on through life. You know, just us in humility, best of friends. It doesn't happen that way. We must pursue humility. It will never overtake us. It, we must pursue humility. Anytime someone asks you to do more and when you're a pastor, not to get off subject, one time a congregation out of the nation asked me to preach another sermon when I was done. The greatest moment of my professional life. <laughs> we, we have to press into humility. And so coming back to the theme of this message, servanthood helps us to press in to humility, which is so important. Servanthood helps us to press into the culture of Christ. That's why this is so important. Uh, We see all this tied together. So look at Philippians chapter 2 and all of these threads now come together with great force. One of the most theologically rich statements in all of Scripture Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. But this is not easy, and that is why he continues. Have this mind among yourselves that is also in Christ Jesus 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Servanthood is putting skin on the bones of humility. What does it look like? It's servanthood is the orientation of a humble heart and life. Servanthood is is acting on the command here in Philippians 2 to count others more significant than ourselves. It's not just an attitude. It's the action behind it. What is the action? We, We are serving others. Servanthood is developing an awareness of the people around us. Awareness of of what is going on, awareness of what people are going through, an awareness of what is needed, not the awareness of our own sensibilities and what we want, what is needed by those God has put in our path. It is to arrive wherever we arrive with the opposite perspective of, I want to be happy and pleased. I want the temperature to be fit for what I want. I want the seat comfortable. I want the water fresh. We, we're used to that everything is fitting into our sensibilities and servant-heartedness just throws that over and says, what is needed? What can I do to care for those around me? And it is, it's not just something that, that, okay, for the Lord, I'll settle into being in the background and never known and forgotten, but for God, I'll do it. <laughs> Servanthood in our churches is how we are leaders in our churches. It is how we are influencers in our churches. It is how this culture begins to take root and grow because it is through serving that we show the character and the way of Christ and bring that culture into our churches. It is part of how we become more like Christ. A passage that I have gone to many, many times that I need as a pastor, one who has a particular role that is seen as a leader. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28, Jesus said to these same group of disciples, you know what the world's like. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And they're great with Ones exercise authority over them. Here's the phrase that echoes in my mind. It shall not be so among you. It, that, that will not be how you think about leadership. It's not how you exercise it. But whoever would be great among you must be, must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life 
as a ransom for many. It is through serving that we actually exercise leadership in our churches. It is, it is how those who can observe us are influenced and reminded and see something of the way of Christ. And we know the Spirit of God will be speaking to them. Yes, that's the way of Christ. Our churches shouldn't have lots of servant-hearted people. We should all be servant-hearted people. So we first see that servanthood helps us inwardly by helping us to grow in humility, which we so desperately need. Servanthood, secondly, it also helps us outwardly. It helps us to show people that we love them. Verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he, he loved them to the end. Now, don't miss the, the immensity of of what is in verse 1. Jesus knowing the time had come. We, we cannot begin to imagine all that was in the heart and mind of Jesus. Knowing the moment. He knew what was coming. And as his whole ministry was was coming up to this a moment. All the thoughts, all the emotion, the eternal souls of all the elect resting upon the hours ahead. And we are told specifically what was in his heart that he loved these men. He loved them to the end. Jesus' actions were meant to teach them. They were meant to be an example. Jesus says so. But fundamentally, Jesus is displaying his love for these men. To love someone is to focus on their interests, not your own. Biblically, we understand love is to look for the the greatest benefit for someone which is all centered around the gospel and the gospel being theirs and the gospel filling their soul and them living it out. Love is centered in the truths of the gospel and knowing Christ. And love requires selflessness by definition. And so we, we don't look to the standards of the world, to the examples and the guidelines, the experiences of the world, because we're, we're tempted to think, well, love is something we do understand somewhat because we speak of it so much. Everyone in the world speaks about love and thinks they understand it to somewhat, and yet none of that is our standard, our guideline. It is the person of Christ and what? He has done that has opened the door for us to understand. Now that, that is love. John 15, 12. Jesus said, this is my commandment. 
that you love one another doesn't stop there. How? As I have loved you. That's the standard of love. How I've loved. That's how you are to love. Part of love's beauty and the power of love is that it leads us to care for people beyond any measure of expectation. Verse 1, he loved them to the end. Jesus' disciples had experienced and seen Jesus' servant heart many times. That was not new to them. Yet this act of love, as he bent down and washed their feet, was shockingly beyond expectations. And isn't that the gospel? The gospel. There's nothing reasonable about the gospel. The gospel is the unreasonableness of God bursting into this world. God eternally becoming flesh, the Son of God, perfect in all ways, taking all of the filth and the guilt of our sins and the wrath of the Father being cast upon him and the debt being paid of the grave being broken into, the doors being ripped off the hinges, chains being broken, and we who deserve to be cast from his presence to be brought in. So Jesus himself says, Oh Lord, I earnestly desire that where I am, there they may be also. Love is beyond, lavishly beyond expectations. And that's where the gospel takes us. The great display of love. Love calls us then to serve, to serve beyond the limits of convenience. My new favorite statement about love uh, from Paul Miller in one of his books, love is not efficient. Hmm. Love is not an efficient way to walk through life. Efficiency, it seeks to quickly fix people and move on. Love calls us to stick with people, to endure. There there was nothing efficient about Steve and Abby committing themselves to a broken inner city neighborhood to plant a church. That's not an efficient way to plan a church, to reach people. But it is love. It is like Christ. It is an example. And heaven rejoices in it, beloved friends. Imagine a church where we all are committed to sticking it out 
through every offense and all weariness. That this is our forever family. This is our church. And they're driving me crazy. But they're mine. I'm theirs. We're Christ. And it's not, do we leave or not? It's how do we continue on? How do we stick it out? A church like that will have deep roots. It will weather any storm. A church like that is is growing out branches, providing shade for many to come. And the fruit from its boughs is abundant and always ripe in season. It's the kind of churches we have in part and we want to have in full. Yes. Love calls us to serve beyond the limits of convenience. It, it calls us to serve the unlovely. Verse 2. When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. And then down verse 11. Jesus, he knew who was to betray him. Jesus washed Judas' feet while Judas was scheming how to betray him. What what was going on in Jesus' mind, in Judas' mind, When Jesus got on his knees and took Judas' feet in his hands and looked in his eyes and washed his feet as thoroughly as all the rest, what was going on in their minds? Certainly Jesus had all the reason to point out, to skip over, to glare. But in in one final act of love and service, Jesus washed Judas' feet. The unlovely are those who are distasteful to us. Whatever, whoever we're not comfortable with, whoever we would rather not spend time with, those who are undeserving of our attention, those who are just more trouble, whoever we don't have a natural inclination to include, to us they are the unlovely. And over all my years in the church, I've heard all sorts of of messages dealing with this general principle. It's often applied to the homeless person, the one who is, is dirty and unwashed and uh, ragged in their clothes and really doesn't 
uh, fit in culturally with us. And, and that is a, a good and right application. But I, I think as the church, we've, we've grown to understand the inclusion. In fact, I think it's an overstated comment. Uh, I've never been in a church where I've ever seen someone come in that is ragged and people ignore them and not have any care for them. However, it's not the only form of distasteful there is, is it? I had to pick another example. It's just theoretical. What if it included people uh, that were political and cultural opposites of us? Could they be, in our minds, the unlovely? Those who... How could they believe that? How could they say that? Love calls us to not put up with, to serve, to care for the unlovely. I think of when my children were small, my grandchildren now. I could do it with my kids now, but It wouldn't be the same. You know, the, I love you this much. That's what Jesus was doing with Judas. Can we not do that for those unlovely in our eyes? Oh, because because of Christ. I love you this much. We want to be churches that are creating an infectious culture of love. And so we need to be churches with cultures of servanthood. For that is how we show we truly do love. And as people enter our churches, we want them to experience love Beyond expectation. Community so struck by Christ and the gospel. That we have never lovingly served one another enough. Romans 12 tells us there is a spiritual gift of serving. And before everyone goes, oh my goodness... It's for those who have the gift. I thought he meant me. (laughs) Praise God, I love this message. There's a group of people who are supposed to do this. There is a spiritual gift of serving, meaning that God and his kindness to us specifically empowers and inspires the minds of some to show us the extent of serving those to help us see the measure of it, to help us along, but we're all called to it. But think of the gifts, the gifts, the the loving gifts that God gives How wonderful if we pleaded with God, Lord, give me, I plead for the gift of servanthood. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Our 
churches abounding in those gifted in servanthood, helping us all to grow in it. Finally, servanthood helps us upwardly, inwardly to to grow in humility, outwardly to show how much we love others, upwardly to remain God-centered. Verses 3 to 5, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. That is the statement that leads us into that Jesus, knowing these things, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garment, wrapped the towel around his waist, took a a basin and poured in the water, and began to wash their feet. We need to, as we say to each other, stay in your lane, bro. Our lane is God-centeredness. We need to stay in our lane. Embracing the lifestyle and culture of biblical servanthood reinforces that life is not chiefly about us. It's always about our God. Jesus lived with his eyes always fixed on fulfilling the Father's will. Jesus never forgot the Father had sent him. He never lost sight of the Father was where he was headed. We see it in in his temptations. Jesus' responses are always the Father, the desire of the Father. This is why I'm here. And beloved of God, consider this. By the grace of the gospel, this is our pattern. We are from the Father who chose us, who saved us. He gave us to the Son. And we are going to Him. We are from the Father. We are going to Him. That's the pattern of Our life, that's the honor upon our lives from the Father to the Father. And we need to see that that is too staggering for us to really comprehend. But that is life. What is life? From the Father to Him. How do we keep that in mind? There, There are lots of things to help us. A culture of servanthood is part of that. We now, by the grace of God, we see what we exist for. We now understand what life is for, why I'm here. We never got it until we got the gospel. And now we see and understand. Now we can go through life clearly. Now we can live well. Servanthood reinforces the privileges that we have in Christ are not rights to protect. They are freedoms that we use. Paul understood this clearly. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. Though I am free of all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win 
the more. We're, we're not going to gather a lifetime of accolades to take into heaven with us. Lord, gathering the angels together. Did you see how many followers I had? Did you see the day I blew up Twitter? There were so many people arguing and liking. Do you know how many conferences I spoke at? My podcast had so many listeners. There there are no accolades. Whatever to us would be honoring and a big deal and trying to build. We're not gathering anything in this world that we're taking with us to show off in heaven. Oh, but hear, hear this, hear this. But we can, every one of us can be sending ahead of us a constant flow of our labors to the Father. Our days can be filled with works given to the Father, sending to him because we love him, sending ahead labor after labor after service, all of it being done for the Father whom we love. We can live that way. Jesus didn't dabble at servant. He could have made the same point by gathering the dishes at the end. He could have collected their coats. Oh, no, Jesus, let me do that. No, I I want you to understand service. Jesus, he didn't clean their plates. He didn't take their cloaks. He, He washed their feet. Jesus was not just a gather the plates servant. He was a Talon Basin servant. When you show up, are you wearing a servant's towel around your heart? Or are you propping up your feet for someone to make you happy? How do we show up? Ultimately, our motivation for servanthood is that we want to honor God. Above all desires, most deeply of all, we want to be great commandment people who love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and our neighbors as ourselves. Our motivation for servanthood is we want, we truly want to be more like Jesus, our Savior King. Our motivation to serve is we want to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit so our lives are overflowing with His works. Our motivation for serving is we want to be a strength to our local church that we love so much. And we want to hear. Oh, that we would hear the Lord say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Come enter into the joy of your master. So how significant is servanthood? It helps us grow in humility. It helps us show love. It helps us to keep God-centered. Oh, and it helps us to be like Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we affirm the goodness in all that you have placed before us to be and do. That these are all precious things, worthy, fruitful. Joy should be in it all. We ask that you would help each of us, for you know our hearts and our situations. We, we ask for that specific speaking Holy Spirit to each one of us. How we can now, even today, as we enter church tomorrow, how, how can we grow in servanthood? How can it be the culture of the way we look at life? Oh, that we would be more like the most wonderful person there is. That we could be more like our Jesus. Oh, bless these, your beloved, in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.